embattled Congressman Matt Gates. Matt Gates was one of the very few members in the entire Congress who bothered to stand up against permanent Washington on behalf of his constituents. Matt Gates right now, he's a problem for the Democratic Party, and he can cause a lot of hiccups in passing the laws. So we're going to keep running those stories to keep hurting him. If you stand for the flag and kneel in prayer, if you want to build America up and not burn her to the ground, then welcome, my fellow patriots. You are in the right place. This is the movement for you. You ever watch this guy on television? It's like a machine. Matt Gates. I'm a canceled man in some corners of the internet. Many days I'm a marked man in Congress, a wanted man by the deep state. They aren't really coming for me. They're coming for you. I'm just in the way. Here is Matt Gates. He's not afraid of Donald Trump. He's his homie. Here is Matt Gates, and he's on Steve Bannon's show, because of course he is, saying what he thinks the priorities should be if Republicans take control of the House. Here he is. If we don't engage in impeachment inquiries to get the documents and the testimony and the information we need, then I believe that our voters will feel betrayed. And we can do that without the Senate and without the White House. And that's why it should be investigations first, policy, uh, bill making to support the lobbyists and the PACs as a, as, as a far, far diminished priority. Good. Carlos Carvello, these people get paid six figures of taxpayer money to legislate. And he says, no, bill making to support the bill making is a diminished priority. We just need to impeach Biden for whatever. It doesn't even matter what. It doesn't even matter that we have no chance of actually convicting him in that in the Senate. Just do it because our base just needs the drugs. It, it, it sounds like a crack dealer. Is that really well, what totally. it is, that they are just performing for the most bananas part of their base all the time? That's what he's doing. I mean, Joy, this is a problem for House Republican leadership for two reasons. Number one, House Republican leaders have told their members to please only talk about three issues in the, in the last few weeks of this campaign, inflation, immigration, and crime. They think those are the issues they can ride to victory. Clearly, Matt Gates is not following those instructions. He's, he's in another world. Secondly, if, if Republicans do win a slim majority in the House, Kevin McCarthy and his lieutenants are going to have to find a way to include Matt Gates in their coalition because they're not going to have very many votes to spare if he wants to become speaker. So this is a big problem for Republicans. And the, the, what makes the problem even bigger for them is that people like Matt Gates really don't care what they think. What Carlos Curbelo has right is that I don't care what the leadership in Washington think of either party if their desire is to go engage in some unified effort against the American people. I know what has been weaponized against the American people. I've seen it. You've seen that I've lived it. And I think we have to get to the corrupt core of these agencies. And I'm not just talking about some of the ones you see on the news all the time, as we've covered on this show Department of Homeland Security setting up the Ministry of Truth. The Post Office setting up an Internet Covert Operations Program. It's all part of a unified system that subjugates the American people. And I do not believe we should continue to authorize that system or fund that system. If we have to, we should shut it down. But at a, at a minimum, we have to open the impeachment inquiries of people like Ali Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary allowing our border to function as a turnstile 
for those who would do our country harm. If we're not willing to engage in an impeachment inquiry, at least at the outset, then I believe we will have betrayed the voters who intend to give us power in tens of days following the November election. That's my position. And you know what? The fundamental premise of that position is that Joe Biden is not going to sign a single piece of legislation that we need to actually save the country. Maybe some stuff that rearranges the deck chairs on the Titanic, we can agree on. But on the core issues, driving inflation, immigration, crime, economic despair, weaponization of our government, Joe Biden is on the other side of the House Republicans. At least that's what I hope when we take power. I hope we're not on the same side as Joe Biden on those issues because he's put our country in a very perilous situation right now. And to get out of that situation, he'd rather say that MAGA Republicans are fascists and enemy, enemies of the state than actually admit to his failures and his mis misgivings. It's really unfortunate we're in this position, but I don't believe we get out of it without an aggressive oversight agenda. The MAGA agenda is not an agenda to please the lobbyists or the PACs. The MAGA agenda is an investigation's first agenda, and it is an agenda that will include impeachment. Mark my words. And you know what, Orcus, you're our leadoff hitter. So November 9th, we ought to be ready to announce that impeachment inquiry of Mayorkas. We ought to have the preservation de demands ready, the subpoenas ready to go, the witness lists. I know how to prepare for trial. And we need to be doing a lot more of that and a lot less of some of what I'm going to be talking about on the show today. We've got a great discussion coming up with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. We're going to go through some of his specific ideas on Hunter Biden in a moment. Uh, also, an update on what some of House Republican leadership is saying about the agenda and the policy choices we have to make. Donna Brazil making a pronouncement about President Trump that you will not want to miss. But uh, I, I first want to take just a moment to let you know that while we're here live in Washington, D.C. in the Longworth office building at the Capitol Complex, my heart is in the Sunshine State as a very serious storm is barreling down on our people, on our fellow Floridians. And it's very important to ensure that folks have their batteries charged up, that you have a way to be able to have candle or lighting in the event of loss of power, which is an almost certainty with a storm of this magnitude, uh, and also that you have the right way to follow your local emergency management system. Emergency management in Florida is something that we are very good at. We have a sophisticated system on this. We have people that have been trained. We do a great job with Governor DeSantis and FEMA on um, getting table talk exercises ready so that we're prepared in the event of this. Uh, but we always do lose people based on a lack of preparation. One thing I just want to say, make sure if you are using a generator that you have the proper ventilation. That is always something that is grave concern in the eye of the storm and certainly in the immediately immediate aftermath as a power is being set up. So please keep uh, my fellow Florida man and Florida woman in your prayers uh, in these uh, times because uh, there are a lot of folks on the peninsula going through a lot and our hearts are, are undeniably with them. I want to go now to a tweet from the White House that referenced me. I'm really, I'm really liking this new press secretary. I got to tell you, she says, after seeing uh, that quote of me on War Room, which 
it is just delicious that the White House press office is sitting around watching me and Steve Bannon on War Room. You ever think that these conversations, that these podcasts, that this alternative media is not significant in driving the action? Let's go back to this tweet. I'll read it for those who are on our, on our listening platforms. Here's the press secretary. It's rare we agree with Matt Gates, but he's 100% right that the House Republicans' policy agenda is about, quote, helping lobbyists and PACs, close quote. And then she goes on to criticize elements of this, this McCarthy agenda as she characterizes it. Well, you know what? Neither party should do that. And by the way, not for nothing, but Joe Biden is running on lobbyist and PAC money. Like, this wasn't a guy that did what I did to forsake that. You know what, Corrine Jean-Pierre, if Joe Biden is serious about not engaging in the agenda of lobbyists and PACs, why don't you stand up at the podium today and say he's done taking their money? Or are you such a clown and is your regime and administration such a joke that you would criticize me for denouncing lobbyists and PACs and then you would go and cash their checks while you send out an insincere tweet like that? Corinne Jean-Pierre, you are nothing but a fraudulent mouthpiece if you cannot walk into the Oval Office today and demand that Joe Biden take the Matt Gates position to resist the donations of lobbyists and PACs. And if you can think that you could take millions of dollars from D.C.-based special interests and then go look out at the country and say, I'm just regular Joe. I'm Joe from Scranton. I'm one of you. Well, you know what? Regular Americans don't have to take money from lobbyists and PACs to believe what they believe. They just believe it. But you're being dog-walked by the special interest in this town. Everybody knows it. It's why you've had massive spending. The lobbyists love the spending because they can deal with the inflation. They could just go charge the Fortune 100 companies more money. But you know who can't deal with it? Those who have a 40-minute drive to work watching their gas prices soar. Those who have large families who have to eat and have to go to the grocery store. This White House is such a joke, and the press secretary is actually quite the embodiment of that. But we don't want to follow in their footsteps. We don't want to see the Republicans become a joke like the Democrats. Last week, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy put out the Republican commitment to America. Take a listen to Elise Stefanik, the Republican conference chair, discuss it on Fox News Sunday. When it comes to supporting our law enforcement and having a nation that's safe, we have legislation that will immediately provide funding through recruitment and retention bonuses to hire an additional 200,000 police officers across this country. 200,000 police officers hired with the federal tax dollar. Now, that might play well with a focus group with like a carefully tested message. It may even help people win an election. But I have strong concerns about addicting local law enforcement to the federal dollar. And undeniably, that's what elements of the, even the Republican agenda would do. Now, when House Democrats tried to do the very same thing, I fought against them on the House floor. Take a listen to that debate. It is head spinning that House Democrats either want to defund the police as judiciary member Cory Bush does, or they want to federalize the police as judiciary chairman Jerry Nadler does. And I'm against both. Here's why. In my community, the voters in one of the reddest counties in Florida 
voted to raise their own taxes to fund school resource officers. Protecting our schools was that important, and we understood that that was the responsibility of our community. And now, as places like Detroit, Chicago, almost every major metropolitan area in California defund their police as some virtue signal, as some way to sacrifice the safety of their constituents on the altar of wokeism, now they want my Florida constituents to subsidize the bad decisions that they make at the state and local level, both constitutionally and practically. The police power is not a power of the federal government. It is a power of our state and local governments. And when we excessively entangle ourselves in that, we do to law enforcement what we shamefully did to education. In our schools all across this land, there was innovation, creativity, school projects, different ways to learn. And then the Republicans and Democrats joined with President Bush in passing the No Child Left Behind Act and we got Common Core and this theory that we had to have every kid on the same page of the same book on the same day and we lost what was so special about it. We don't want to do that now to law enforcement, but you see this entire package of legislation today is intended to do just that. They don't want to fund the police. They want to addict the police to the federal dollar. And that comes with a more efficient way to ensure centralized decision-making, not the localized decision-making that our Constitution promises and that it has offered great promise to this country for generations. So do not buy this theory that this legislation is intended to help law enforcement. The best thing we could do for law enforcement is get out of their way, have their back, and call out the politicians like those in Congress who keep trying to defund the police and devalue the commitment they make to our communities. I yield back. We're back live, and the live stream is going on Rumble right now. Uh, there's the suggestion from one of our commenters that I should be on every committee next Congress. I don't know if I don't know if you would want that. Actually, I think I'm uh, I'm on the committees I ought to be on: Armed Services and Judiciary, and I have every intention to stay on them. And there is also criticism uh, from the very same commenter: Google sucks for YouTube. That defunding and federalizing creates more centralization and control of the masses and that we ought to resist that centralization. And that is the argument that I made on the floor of the House that I believe criticizes both the Democrats and, and perhaps even some elements of a Republican agenda to try to centralize decision-making and control inside the Beltway of Washington, D.C. And Maybe I hold these views because I'm a former state legislator. I spent six years in the Florida House of Representatives, and I saw how in state legislatures we can craft responsive policies for our communities. And we can do so without the morass and without the one-size-fits-all thinking that usually comes out of Washington, D.C. So I'm not for it in education. I'm not for it in law enforcement. And I'm not for it in prosecutions either. One of the elements of the Republican agenda released by Kevin McCarthy that I do not believe is a MAGA agenda says that we would somehow insert the United States Congress into the decisions being made by local woke DAs to not prosecute criminals. Now, I'm all for Congress utilizing its power over United States attorneys because they are tasked with enforcing federal law. And so if there are U.S. attorneys who have gone woke, who won't engage in appropriate prosecutorial discretion, then it would be appropriate for us to bring them forward and ask questions. But your local DA involving Congress? Here's the thing. As a Florida man, 
I actually don't need Washington, D.C. replacing DAs or involving themselves in the selections of DAs in my state. You know why? When DAs go woke in Florida, my governor removes them. That is an explicit power of the governor in every state, in, in Florida, undeniably. And so I, I really think that where you can have decisions made closer to the people, you need to do that. And just to try to like fulfill the emotions of a focus group to kind of throw out these tagline policies without bill text, without substance, I don't think it really makes us look more credible. I think the arguments that I made on the floor are far more credible, that we want to empower our people and that we want to stop the weaponizing of our government and we want to stop decision-making being ripped away from state legislators who I think have a lot of talent and creativity. And I know that because I've worked with them. I know a lot of the ones we have in Florida right now, and they're doing a great job. The uh, investigations that I'm proposing, I think uh, at times would emerge from some of the committees, at times would uh, emerge in select committees. But Democrats right now are pushing a theory of the case where, you know what, anybody can be investigated for anything for any reason. Donna Brazil made that point on... This week with George Stephanopoulos, take a listen to this jarring admission about the left. You know, Donna, Chris Christie says this is slowly moving away from Donald Trump, and I think I actually agree with him, but the polling right now is oh. not really showing that, showing in, among Republican voters he's holding firm. Our poll shows him defeating Joe Biden in 2024. Look, uh, Donald Trump is, uh, his house of cards are, are, are really uh, crumbling down. He's on the investigation just about everywhere. Too bad he's not in Louisiana. We'll put him on the investigation just for showing up. A lot of love for the state of Florida right now in the live stream and in the chat. Thank you to all who are saying that you're praying for the state of Florida. And also a lot of love for Alex Jones. If you've been watching what's been happening to Alex Jones in the courtroom, it is anti-American. And I am not uh, a spokesperson for Alex Jones. He does a fine job of that on his own. But uh, I think that to strip someone of the ability to present a substantive defense in a court and to just have a jury impaneled on damages while like a struggle session emerges with uh, the litigant's attorney and the defendant, it's not like stuff I've ever seen before. We, we, uh, we don't have the clip for you, but uh, I do appreciate that we have commenters that acknowledge that what's going on with Alex Jones right now is not something that we typically see in the American judicial process. They'll investigate Trump for even stepping foot in Louisiana. That's what Donna Brazil said. And you're starting to see that manifest. I mean, how many criminal investigations right now are out there attempting to target President Trump, a member of his family, a business associate, a political ally? He was such a threat to the corrupt power centers in this country that they just can't let it go and they're afraid we're going to do it again and we just might have to. But before the 2024 election, we have critical work to do upon seeing Republicans sworn into the Congress with the committee gavels, with the ability to send subpoenas and engage in investigations. And one of the critical questions we have to address is what to do about Hunter Biden. I believe that Hunter Biden opens the door into a wide-ranging conspiracy that results in the Biden family, the first family, being compromised, specifically by the Chinese Communist Party. You see it in the financial transactions, in the business records. And so I wanted to talk 
to one of the smartest strategists I know, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, about how we would assemble something like this. You know, Dr. Gorka is somebody with extensive experience in investigations and in working with legislative bodies to root out corruption. He was a strategist for President Trump. He has taught at the War College, or at the National Defense University, has been an advisor, I think, you know, informally to a lot of members of Congress about committee work, how to ask questions, how to frame up these issues. And uh, I wanted to have a very important conversation with Dr. Gorka today about his advice, um, his availability, uh, his interest in the work that we have ahead investigating Hunter Biden. Take a listen to that discussion I had with Dr. Sebastian Gorka just moments ago on the Capitol steps. Dr. Gorka, thanks for joining us on the Hill, meeting with some of our staff, colleagues. There's a lot of discussion now about the funding bill and the shenanigans around Joe Manson's permitting issues, but we're here strategizing about what Republican control is going to look like in the next Congress. I got a lot of Republicans right now telling me they're afraid of any impeachment inquiry. They're afraid of some of the aggressive oversight tactics that I've been advocating on your show and around the country. What's your message to the Republicans that would say, let's take control and just try to calm the waters? So I, I've had it with Republicans behaving as if they're in the minority when they're in the minority and behaving as if they're in the minority when they're in the majority. That has to change. So if there is a clean sweep in the midterms, you said it on my show, America First, what, nine months ago, every single committee of Congress has to become a serious oversight body that subpoenas, that does investigations. Me, I'm just a lowly taxpayer, a naturalized citizen. I want to see prosecutions. I want to see indictments. But let's start with some serious oversight. When is Congress actually going to do oversight? We have an open border, two million illegals, more fentanyl in one year killing people than we did in 10 years in Vietnam. I want to see people go to prison for that. But a good start would to be follow, to follow Gates' plan for serious investigationary oversight from every stinking committee. And we're going to those committees, talking to members. We're trying to find those um, real strong advocates on each and every committee that can pursue that. But then there is this Hunter Biden problem yes. because it doesn't fit neatly right. into any one committee. So there's been some talk on the Hill today about what a select committee would look like to be able to delve into the compromise of the first family. And it really goes well beyond Hunter. And, you know, you might need some people from the Intelligence Committee, Foreign Affairs, Financial Services, Judiciary. You might need all those areas of expertise. Would you wait before setting up a Hunter Biden Select Committee, or do you think that should be part of the first week of Republican control of the Congress? Day one. Day one, there needs to be a select committee because, as you say, it covers so many different areas, uh, primarily national security and corruption, so financial, China, Russia, you name it. But if you don't start on day one, I think it sends a signal to the people out there, including independents mm -hmm. and Democrats, who said they would not have voted for Biden had they known about the laptop. If you don't start day one, you don't look serious. And, and I know you've got certain issues with leadership, especially in the Senate, but you've got to show serious intent day one. Well, and we could do I'd that in the say. House. We could do that. Yes. In, we don't need the Senate right. for a House Select Committee on Hunter Biden. Multi-jurisdictional uh, subpoena power day one, obviously, has to be vested yes. with that subpoena power. 
and the benchmark seems to be the January 6th committee in terms of staffing and resources. I mean, you know, the January 6th committee has now spent millions and millions of dollars, and they can't even convince the Democrats in Congress that no cops were bludgeoned to death on January 6th. Do you think that we look at a model like that J6 committee and then have some really, real, real strategy as a part of that movement? I would say the model is there, the precedence is there, the amount of money that you are authorized to expend and that the coverage every single day. However, please do one thing for me. Don't hire somebody from Hollywood to manage it because then it looks like you're not serious. Hire people, I don't know, with top secret clearances who actually know what they're talking about, who can talk in open session and behind closed. You've got to, doors, you've got to do both. But seriously, the precedence is set and let's tell the truth. That's all you need to do. Well, the truth's like a lion, right? You don't have to protect it. You just have to let it free and it'll protect itself. But these things have to happen now. We cannot start in January assembling the talent no. to lead these committees, getting the staff in place. I'd say in the next, you know, 30 to 45 days, we need to be assembling the staff, preparing the draft subpoenas, preparing the preservation demands, and really building out the human talent that we're going to need to make the case to the American people that the first family's compromised. Build the team select the experts, mm -hmm. select the witnesses, and also the baskets under which you're going to investigate. Because there, mm. there, it is an endless stream. Just when you've got one tail of, of the dragon, there's another one. So whether it's uh, ATF abuse, uh, whether it's a drug abuse, whether it's China, whether it's banking, whether it's Russia, whether it's influence, whether it's what, what the Biden brothers did in Iraq, there's mm -hmm. so many aspects. You've got to decide one or two big baskets that are your strategic investigatory objectives. And, and like you say, it could it could cover the world. I mean, you yes. look at people know about the Biden corruption with China, right. with Ukraine. But like you say, Middle Africa, East. the Middle East, it's everywhere. Dr. Gorka, thanks for coming on the Hill, sharing your insight and counsel with me and with my colleagues. I and, can't wait. Yeah, looking forward to it. God bless. It was great visiting with Dr. Gorka moments ago. Anthony on Facebook is saying subpoenas day one. Well, you know what? If the subpoenas are coming day one, we need to start drafting them now getting them ready, and ensuring that we are prepared to execute on the MAGA oversight agenda. Make sure you're subscribed with notifications turned on. That is the way to make sure that more Americans see our content, engage in the issues, and ensure that we have a better country tomorrow and in all the days that come. Thanks for joining us so much. Thank you for keeping my fellow Floridians in your prayers. It's going to be a rough one. It's a big storm, but we're tough folks down in the Sunshine State. Thanks so much for joining us. Roll the credits.